Keys, watch, wallet, and specs I hit the scene and I'm looking for sex Squeaky clean and a little complex And I'll be working on the night shift Yeah, I'm working on it, working on it Cigarette hanging off of my lip Cling it to me like you cling to my hip Caught your slipping so I gave you the grip And we be working on the night shift Yeah, I'm working on it, working on it Welcome back to the Movie Draft House. House, house, house I'm a host, Mark. Uh, also joined by DJ Jazzy Jeff. No, incorrect. Dirty Jeff, filthy Mark. It's the Movie Draft House. We're back again. We're in the thick of it. And uh, it is October. It is the month of scary. And... Uh, I I I picked a scary one. Aren't you proud of me, Mark? I went outside of my comfort zone and I said, "I'm going scary." On paper, like okay, so let's say before watching it, did you think it was going to be scary? Before I answer that question, our music this month is brought to you by the band Little Stranger uh, with the song 1969. Give them a. Give them a uh, follow, subscribe, like, uh, download their music, wherever you get your music from. Um, Whatever legitimate places you get your music from. Uh, Yeah, I like this song a lot. It's fun. It's kind of like us. It's fun and upbeat and a little unbalanced, I think. Well, well, they're not insulted by that, but I mean well. I don't don't know if I'm insulted by that. (laughs) Well, I'm not worried about you. Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, so all right. So, we so, watched. You you saw you, we saw the we watched the Babadook from night twenty uh, twenty fourteen yep, directed 2014. by Jennifer Kent, written by Jennifer Kent, starring S. E. Davis, Noah Wiseman. Okay. Back to my question. Yes. B- before you watch the movie, because clearly you're already hinting that you didn't find this scary. Are you one of those people who's just like that didn't scare me? I wasn't scared at any point during that movie. Is that you? I mean, the subject matter doesn't scare me. Uh, like what? I can, I can I can I can get behind like jump scares. But... Okay, what about have what's the scariest movie you've ever seen? Mm. Oh God! Dang, I don't know. All right. That's a loaded. That's a loaded question. That's a. I, I mean, do you have any movies that scared you? Like, why do you watch horror movies then? I don't. I, I'm not a typical horror movie. Please, watcher. you told me to watch *Malignant*. Yeah, that, I, I that watched that on a scary, whim. By the way, right, it's not, but it's very good, and you should watch it. It's um, wonderful. <laughs> but I maybe, you know, maybe as a kid seeing *Jaws* for the first time. Sure. Um, For me, it alien. was aliens. Yeah. I'd like, uh, I was a kid when I saw aliens, and the face huggers freaked me out. Yeah. No, those, so more of a, I guess, a sense of, like, I, I think I've All said right. this before. You're too, but the sense you're a of big, dread bad in a movie police officer. Is... You're not scared of anything. We get it. All right. You're embarrassed to say when you're scared. Fine. Me, on the other hand, am a scaredy cat. Okay? I watched The Black Coat's Daughter, directed by the son of Anthony Perkins, who famously starred as Norman Bates in Psycho, 
the greatest movie ever made. And it's it. I couldn't sleep. Okay, it kept thinking about it. It's dwelled with me. It was like, oh lord, it, it was it was a disturbing, frightening film. Now, the Babadook. What'd you think? Yeah. So, I I thought it was fine. Ultimately, it was fine. I. Certain aspects, I like that. Um, I like the camera work in this movie a lot. Um, you know, the close-up shots of of faces and um, uh, more practical effects than than a lot of anything mm-hmm. else. Um, I, uh, I I've said I think even on this podcast I think horror movies can have some of the most effective use of cinematography. Cinematography, it's like a delicious cinnamon roll, but it's cinematography. And I think this movie does do that well. It has beautiful visuals. Um, The inside of the house is black and white or kind of dark blue or light bluish with grays. And it's otherworldly inside the house, outside the house. It's very much a normal kind of situation that sort of monotone color goes away. Um, so I, I really think, uh, the, the, the actual visuals are part of that storytelling. And I, I liked that. Yeah. And I, I didn't like the use of the actual monster. Um, like, did you like the the, look of the monster? I I did like the, the look. And if, to me, if you're going to show that much of the actual monster, um, and we get very early on in the movie, we get a we get a pretty good look at the monster, um, you know, hanging from the ceiling or crawling on the ceiling or whatever it was. But I felt like the, the monster could have been used more, um, you know. But I also get that this is a uh, it's a this is a character driven story, um, and not so much a monster driven story. Right? Yeah, that's true. It, and so, um, I, I just wish because the, the the monster in this movie is very very unique looking. Yeah, um, I uh, like very, the look of the monster. Yeah, it's very very uh, different. And uh, actually, I I mean, if like if uh, if we had a movie all about this particular monster stalking somebody and trying to kill them. Um, where we actually get to see the monster stalk somebody and try to kill them, I I probably would say, hey, that's pretty scary. Um, but the the scenes that we get where we look at this monster or the the director chooses to show us the monster, it there it just wasn't scary to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I didn't really like the use of the monster. Um, and I and I hated these characters. Um, mm. And okay. and Essie Davis, the entire time I'm watching, and she plays the uh, uh, Amelia Vanek, the the main yeah, the protag. Yeah, uh, there's the basically mother. so there's two protagonists. There's a mother and a son, oh, and then everyone we, else is kind of ancillary. And the, the IMDb synopsis for this is a single mother and her child fall into a deep well of paranoia when an eerie children's book titled. Mr. Babadook. The Babadook. Manifests in their home. Um, yeah. So, okay. 
before they read the Babadook, the child already says there's a monster, right? And then when they read the Babadook, it gives that child the imagination and and a visual to name it and the imagination to come up with it. And even so, okay. I want to point back to a week ago when you talk about leaving a movie such as Annihilation and it being a thinking movie, a movie you dwell on and you're, okay, let me think and, you know, try to piece things together. And I think, and I thought that's how you would feel about this one because that's how I feel about this one. I think it is a movie that very much isn't a literal story about a monster in a house. It is not literally Jason murdering people. There's no allegory in Friday the 13th, and this very much is an allegory and filled with symbolism of what the monster means and um, things like that. So it does... Is it a literal thing, right? Right. It's not. It's it's in, and I think I was I was kind of taken out of the movie by my annoyance with these individual characters. Right. So, Um, (laughs) yes, there aren't. Okay. Let's. So the first most annoying thing is her son. Yes. Who is just off the wall and (laughs) and and he's whining and crying and he thinks very dark thoughts and uh, he just he's really really annoying and i agree with that totally as we get later on in the movie he grows on me but why uh because he starts to once he has the babadook named and he starts putting together traps and he's gonna home alone the babadook he kind of he's the same person of the two because He's wanting to, he keeps telling his mom, we need to protect each other. I'm not going to let anything happen to you. It's not going the other way around, right? The mother never protects him until late, 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 late in the film. Well, no, for for much of the film, she's plotting his demise. (laughs) I wouldn't say plotting his demise. There's definitely a, a, a point where this movie goes full sinister with her. So... I, I just short. I liked this movie. Uh, I really enjoyed it, and I also don't want to do the things that you do sometimes that annoy me. Like, well, you weren't supposed to like them, even though I think that's kind of true. At least in the first half, the kid is. I think, and I'm not saying it's a good thing because he annoyed me too, but I think he's purposefully annoying and getting on your nerves as a way to illustrate how the mother feels and how well, she cannot sleep. And it's just a constant. And if you have children, no matter how good your children are, I have a child. He's wonderful. He's very well behaved. I don't necessarily think it's because of our parenting. He's just good. He's just good. But on occasion, he can drive me up a wall, right? Sure. Can you relate to that? I can, absolutely. And I think that this kid does that to his mom. Now, his so his father passed when she was going to the... So her dad, his, excuse me, his dad was driving his mom 
to the hospital when they got in a car accident. The dad died, mother lived, and gave birth to this young son. And so the mom is still grieving and dealing with the loss of her husband. And even to the point where she blames her son later on in the movie, even to say, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times I wished it was you that had died instead of your dad. And this grief and this feeling prevents her from raising her son. And she doesn't even, she won't show him pictures of his dad, won't tell stories about his dad, won't even say his name. Anytime someone brings him up, she loses it. And this is why this kid is so borked. That's a word, I think. Borked. And the reason he's so annoying is because he's not in a good, healthy home situation. Well... And honestly, and this this is the wrong reason to f- find him annoying, but I, I it just his whiny accent. Um, oh, okay. And you don't like Australians, is what it is. Sure, we can go back it to that. We can go back to the Power Rangers episode and how the Power Rangers movie was ruined. It was by being set in Australia. Absolutely ruined. There's no okay. there's no purpose to it. There's no reason. No Anyways, reason except to save money. The the movie was doing fine. The movie made money. Anyways, so... Because they filmed in Australia. But go ahead. Essie <laughs> Davis, to me, is like a great value Kirsten Dunst. Um, wow. Oh, hot takes. <laughs> She's like... Every, at every turn... It was almost like she like <laughs> oh my she gosh. was purposely made to look like Kirsten Dunst. So wait and a minute. Okay, she's great value Kirsten Dunst. And to be yeah. able to put that into perspective, I need to know how you feel about Kirsten Dunst. She's fine in some things and she's not great in other things. So this is a worse version of someone who at yes. their best is fine. I did. Okay. I did not enjoy. I did not enjoy these actors in uh, portraying these characters in this movie, um, and these are really the only two. That's not what you said. You said she's a great value version yes. of a mediocre actress. I just want to be clear. Yes. That this is a scathing I'm... insult because you don't know this, <laughs> but I booked Essie Davis. She's sitting here with me. Good. <laughs> Numbers to the pod. Here we go. <laughs> I'm just no I, I the the performances of from in this movie took me out of I think what the movie was going for um mm-hmm. and and it's not that these 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 actors weren't dedicated to the roles um I just I don't think they're as talented of Ooh. actors as Ooh. were as Jennifer Kent probably wants them to be or was wanting them to be in this movie. And I know oh, I'm probably boy. in the minority for this because everybody really loved this movie when it came out. I'm so glad to be on this side of the table for once because normally it's everybody loved this movie and so did Mark. And Jeff thinks I can cut Jim's balls salad. <laughs> Which you're now, wrong about, by the way. And, and what? <laughs> Do we have to go back to this? No, now, no, we don't. Now, this movie is really well loved, and I can get why some people wouldn't like it. I get that. But it hit 
a place for me where the allegory made sense. It was clear, unlike other movies, as to what things were representing. It did require a little thought to kind of think about, ooh, well, if that represents this, what does this mean? But it wasn't so esoteric that nobody knew what the hell was going on and they had to start subreddits just to figure out what the plot was. I liked well, the performances. I... I I, I really like the kid, even though, yes, he's annoying at the beginning. And again, I believe that's on purpose. But in the second half of the movie, I really start feeling for him. Like this movie actually brought me to the verge of tears. I was so sad for him because he is a tough young man with a mother who's not there for him. And instead of becoming like his mother, who is abusive and reclusive he becomes proactive and he doesn't even though he's scared of the babadook his intentions aren't to go deep into his own fear and wallow in a corner like his mother does but to fight the fear to be proactive to think of traps and he's got these weapons he builds and he has ideas of what he's trying to do to protect his mother and to fight the Babadook. And well, I so, like that about the child. Right. And the, the, that, that's all, that's all fine. I, 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 I get that from your perspective. I do. I just, I, I didn't like the, at times it was almost overacting, um, you know, by both, both the mom and the son and it really just took me out. It's because this movie is a. It's not a monster movie. It's a. It's a. No. It's a dive into mental illness. It's um, what one would call a psychological thriller, which I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, is the theme for this month. You are correct. Absolutely correct. And okay. you, you hit the, You hit it on the on the head. This because this movie frankly, fits it to a T. Next week's film, I don't think of as horror in any way. No. Okay. So we're we're good here. This is not a killer monster movie. Okay. No. There is a monster in it, but it's very much an allegory for grief and rage and just things weighing on you. So I, I'm going to get into some personal things and why I liked this movie and what it represents as uh, someone who's dealt with grief um, and what it's like to have your birthday represent something negative well before which is what before you get into that mm -hmm. is because i want you to have your corner here um there is no uh, wrestling corner this week no no wrestling sadly. corner but I, I want you to have your time to be able to to say what you got to say um i will say that i did enjoy kind of the flip towards the third act of the movie where there was a question about whose monster is this? Um, yeah, and you know, to me that that's that's good. That's good sto storytelling, is because throughout the first half of the movie, you're like, oh, this is the kid's monster. Um, yeah, and then in the third act, third act of the movie, it flips, and you're like, oh no, this is definitely mom's monster, and. Um, and it's very clear. And I thought when, when she kind of goes on her, her psycho rage, uh, in the, in the third act, 
that that's where I really enjoyed most of the movie mm -hmm. um, is because we're no longer trying to decide, you know, who, who, who's really crazy in this movie. Um, you know, right. it all kind of boils to the top and you're like, and it's very clear. Okay. I have, okay, I can see that, that mom is crazy right now. Um, and you know, uh, son has just been dealing with mom being crazy and, uh, but the storytelling across across the entire movie is good. I I don't I don't want it I don't want it to seem like I thought this movie was garbage because I don't. Um, I just I, I I can't get behind this being a really good movie to me because of the performances of the actors. So that's all I got to say. Uh, the floor is yours, okay. sir. So here's what I interpret the monster as. The monster is. Okay, I didn't live in an abusive home. Uh, I have very good parents. But I imagine that monster is the personification in the child's mind of the abusive side of his parents, right? And while my parents were not abusive, my dad was an alcoholic, and there were two sides right and he was not an abusive alcoholic in any way he was very much a reclusive one where he would just go and disappear but that wasn't dad right and that to me is what the Babadook represents it's the bad side of his mother that he has separated from her in order to continue to have this good feeling about the only parent he has in his life he separated the bad parts and made it the Babadook and he's protecting his mother from these bad parts. The bad, the Babadook also represents for the mother is grief. It's like unhandled grief. She's not willing to say the name of her late husband. She, and, and because of that, she resents her son and all of this stuff. Now, like, so her son was born the same day that her husband died. And so, the child doesn't get his own birthday. He shares a birthday with a cousin. And in this film, we, they tell, you know, Hey, I'm, my daughter just wants to have her own birthday. So we're not sharing a birthday this year. And basically that kind of like the child is finally like, I want my own birthday. There's a point where he says, uh, you know, when these like social workers are over, I hate my mom. She won't let me have a birthday and she won't let me have a dad and she won't let him not because her, his dad is dead, but you won't even tell me stories about my late father. He doesn't even get like, I, you know, sometimes you hear of people who lose the, their parent, one of the parents young and they tell them these wonderful things about their father that they have in their mind and they get to hold the pictures and, and see these things and have a relationship with a parent that isn't with them. And he doesn't get that. And to the point where he downstairs in their basement, she keeps like a lot of those keepsakes, pictures of dad and things like that. And the young boy goes down there and digs them out and sees the picture of his dad and, and talks about how he, he and his dad are going to save their mom from the Babadook. Uh, and eventually the rage gets so far. Okay, we gotta talk about the book. Okay, let me slow down. 
how'd you like the book and the, the artwork in the book? Uh, I thought the the Mr. Babadook. Yeah, the the tone of the movie, the palettes and everything matched the book, which I thought was very clever. Um, and you know, I, I thought like almost I, I I didn't I don't remember if like any of it was like a pop out book. Um, yeah, a lot of it was. Yeah, and so that that was I mean it's a very it's a very artful. The movie in of itself is very artistic, um, but the book kind of is a representation of the entire movie, uh, a bit a bit unique, a bit um, you know uh, what do they call it mono? Um, there's a word for it. Where Monochrome. Just, yeah, and uh, you know, so the book to me symbolizes the, the feel of the entire movie, which I thought was was uh was pretty cool yeah i and the art and there's basically two books is the one that she has that she ends up ripping up and throwing out and then gets returned to her put back together and sewn up so this is kind of one of the things where the movie i i'm not quite clear on what they're going for because for the most part i feel comfortable saying that the babadook is not a real entity but a metaphor for grief and rage but then someone physically returns a book you know (laughs) like and this book shows uh, mom choking a dog and then eventually choking her son. Right. Uh, it's, it, <laughs> a lot of, like you said before, a lot of symbolism, um, a lot of uh, just parallel uh, parallel images um, throughout the movie that you'll you'll see at one particular time, and then you it won't come up again until you know, late in the movie and then you'll realize, huh, <laughs> this is the same thing. Um, it's a very, it's very, it's very, uh, it's, it's, it's the movie is well made. So there's two, uh, th- there's another thing. So the mom at one point gets so tired. She, her, her son's like, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. And again, this is the thing that all parents can probably relate to is I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Feed me. It's like, all right, go away. You know, mm-hmm. and she essentially does that, but goes so far as to tell him, if you're so hungry, why don't you go eat shit? And uh, this, of course, upsets the child and she regrets it and takes him out for ice cream, which I think is from the stories I've heard pretty accurate of like abusive parents. You know, they're like, oh, they realize they messed up and they take him for ice cream. And I think that just kind of compounds the what side is the Babadook and what side is what he thinks of his mother. So. Uh, there's a lot of her trying to sleep and the Babadook's around. She's driving a car and the Babadook shows up and those scenes I'm like, okay, but about halfway through the movie, the tone changes where the boy, and I think this is where, like you said, whose monster is this mm-hmm. is the first half of the movie. It's very much the boys. And then at some point he decides he's done messing around. And he starts to build traps, and he's 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 not going to allow the Babadook to hurt his mother anymore. And I don't remember what sets this off. Um, I, I believe it's it's when she starts to dive into this uh, insomnia-driven, uh, just uh, falling down the well of she's. I mean, it's obviously suffering from some sort of brain 
like her, she's got no sleep. She I don't know how yeah, long it's been since the last down. time she slept, but uh, she's obviously going crazy. Yeah. Um, and now the other thing is the support group that she does have is gone. Right. You know, um, and the more that he's trying to push to learn about his dad, the more it drives her away. And so essentially she just goes full demon. Okay. Um, and this again is like, and I don't think the movie's perfect. And I feel like this is maybe an extreme version, right? Because at the end of this movie, they continue to live together. But if a parent was abusive to the level that this parent is in this movie, the child would need to be separated. It just would have to happen because she chokes the dog and kills it. And then she like chases the kid around with a knife. And I think she's great in this part of the movie where she's sinister and, and just kind of over. I do too. And that's what, that's what I was getting at is, is that's where I really enjoyed this movie was when in this moment in the movie where she just goes full on psycho and you know she's literally trying to kill her son you know that's that's when i think her the the actress playing the character is at her best is because you know for much of the movie i felt that she was very over the top and overacting uh, in her portrayal, but in this moment of the movie, where she actually gets to do some psycho shit, she it's it's almost flawless. Like she, it's like she, something fl- like mm. the the switch was flipped. Something and that uh, a great value Kirsten Dunst would not be able to pull off. I don't know. I don't know, man. I do. I, I know. know. I think she's better than Kirsten Dunst uh, by a mile, and that's no disrespect <laughs> to Dunst, but I've not. I haven't seen too many of her roles that have blown me away. And I really like uh, the lead in this movie. I think she does a pretty great job. Uh, now we get to this sort of finale, this climax as mom is chasing and he, downstairs. He has set up uh, a home alone style deal where mom chases him downstairs. He pulls a tripwire. She falls, goes unconscious. And when she wakes, she's tied down and she goes into full rage. And he as a response, hugs her and holds her is like, I'm not going to let the Babadook hurt you. And uh, she eventually like vomits up this black stuff, which I think is is this internal grief that is held and she's been holding on to that has poisoned her that she's able to let go of at that point. And she had she's then no longer this rage induced person, but now is fighting the Babadook not just alongside her son, but in a way to protect her son from what is, in my opinion, the bad side of her. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there. from that point until uh, they eventually end up uh, vanquishing the monster... Uh, the that's where the movie's at its best, and um, you know, I, I I don't I didn't quite get the the symbolism behind the 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 the, the gooey black stuff, and you know, yeah, um, it's just yeah, I think that was more or less just maybe her getting rid of her demon, 
Um, yeah, but I think that the demon is representative of grief and and really specifically not even grief because grief isn't a bad thing um but not allowing herself to grieve and holding in those emotions right like if you're the sort of person who tries to not cry at some point you pop you know right. and that it, it, it to me was her allowing herself long, to grieve long enough to allow that n- that nasty emotion out that has warped her and now that she's been able to do that, she has uh, in a clear enough mind to defend her son from continued onslaught of the Babadook, who she eventually slays and does it in a way that is very much a no more. You're not going to be here. You're not going to hurt my son, which is a very therapeutic way of handling things. I, I go to therapy a lot and you very much proclaim what you're not going to deal with anymore. And I think that's what is kind of happening here. And the Babadook is vanquished. Uh, we see another scene with the, uh, the social workers. Now they've come back and the son says, Hey, it's my birthday today. They've got birthday things up. It's his first birthday yeah. party because he's not been able to celebrate on his date of birth. And he says, yeah, my dad died the same day and just very bluntly says stuff. And this is the turning point for his mother, because instead of being like, oh, don't talk like that. She goes, yeah, he's a lot like his father, just says what he thinks, you know. And she takes her son out back and they have a birthday, a little birthday get together. And it's very nice. Uh, And I liked it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, One of the. uh, Go ahead. The the ending, um, I, I did enjoy the ending, is because it was very symbolic of him having this birthday party. And then, um, you know, the mother actually uh, equating the child to the father. Um, just a lot of first, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. And they... You know, uh, I thought it was it was it's well written. Uh, the I mean, the ending was well written, and so yeah. uh, so that's then... go ahead. No, I, I just I, I think of of all most of the movies that we want. You know, endings are are hard. Um, yes, you know, it's probably the hardest thing to do in a movie is to have a good ending. Which was um, my argument about uh, American Psycho. Right. Yes, and. Um, and I think a lot of a lot of times when filmmakers choose to have an open like an open ended ending, sometimes it's a uh, it's a cop out. It's because that's my feelings exactly. Right. They they don't necessarily know how to end it, so we'll just allow the viewer to make up their own mind about how they think it should have ended. And to me, sometimes that's done well. Other times, most of the times it's not done well. Mm-hmm. Um, and here in this movie, the ending, while, you know, you can make the argument that, uh, the monster isn't really gone. They've just figured out how to maybe live with it or manage it. Um, yeah. You know the the film doesn't it, it doesn't clearly state that this this monster is dead, and so um, so here's my interpretation of this. Uh, they they're in the garden and they're digging up grubs, uh, worms, and they stick it in a bowl, 
And mom goes downstairs and essentially feeds the Babadook. And then they go upstairs and lock it, and they're done. Okay. And so my interpretation of this is that, you know, the the child says, hey, can can I go see? And she's like, maybe when you're a little older. But to me, that's her. So, okay. Now to get personal. My dad died in the same month that both he and I were born. Within a seven-day period, there was my birthday, his birthday, and his passing in one week. And so the week of my birthday often brings up a lot of emotion and brings up a lot of grief that I have to deal with. And so I see this as in order, like, she's able to fight off grief or, or at least I'm not, you know, have a healthier relationship with it long enough to put it off. And on these birthdays, this is something that she has to do. She has to go and face the grief head on because it's coming on this birthday. And she has to do it in order to be able to provide for her son a good birthday. And it sucks. And she doesn't want to have to do it, but she does it. And that's kind of how I saw that ending is that grief doesn't ever go away. It just is there sometimes in the background. And occasionally you have to pull it out and just face it and deal with it, get the crying done, and then you can go back to your day. And that's what I felt that meant. And that is why I like this movie, because that I can relate to having your birthday not necessarily be the happiest day. And I think that, uh, I think this movie pulls it off. Well, I think it pulls off grief. Well, it pulls off, uh, still trying to parent in the midst of being broken. I think, uh, also there are things that I don't like. There are times when she goes full murderer that I'm like, okay, this is kind of hard for me to reconcile with how I feel about the rest of the story. Uh, but I have to, in order to be okay with it, I have to take it as sort of like, this is just an extreme version of that. Okay. But like I said, if someone in real life did what she did, the child would need to be taken out of the home. But other than that, I just really like the, the story here. Uh, I like that it isn't on the surface, but I also like that it isn't so secretive that you need some sort of, you know, Rosetta Stone to figure it out. So that's what I feel about the movie. Did you know, and thank you for your, uh, your personal uh, story there. Um, The, so in 2014, Jennifer Kent also directed and wrote a short story called How the Duke Stole Christmas. Really? (laughs) IMDb says it's two minutes long. Oh, well, I I definitely (laughs) got to watch it. It's probably on YouTube then at that length. Uh, I just, that's a hilarious uh, title. Um, No, I, I, all right. So would you recommend this movie? Yes. I, yes. I think there are shortcomings. Uh, but I, I believe 
it, it affected me in an emotional way. And I think I, I saw a lot of truth in what grief looks like. And I, I taking that away from it, I can recommend it to people who are able to stomach, um, sort of horrifying images and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm not going to recommend it just simply because I, I, I didn't enjoy the totality of the char- the actors portraying the characters. Um, and maybe maybe some of that was how the characters are written. Um, I just, it, it took me out of the movie at, at different times. And um, it and it caused me to have detachment from, especially the the son, um, and so I, d- I didn't quite feel, uh, I guess whatever it was that the movie was attempting to make you feel for this this child throughout the movie, um, and so I didn't I didn't have this attachment to the character, and I and I equate that because I didn't enjoy the character's performance. Uh, or the actor's performance of the character. Um, I, I think it's it's a very w- well-told story. Um, the movie is very well made, uh, especially considering this is a, a an indie movie. The budget mm-hmm. was likely very small. Um, you know, it's uh, it takes place, uh, you know, single setting uh, in this house and has essentially two two actors and. Um, and they they play off each other the entire movie. Uh, the the themes of the movie are, are very very well defined. I, I did I did enjoy all of that, and I think the movie is fine. Um, it's just not it's not good enough for me to be put it in the the recommendation uh, you know shelf. Put it up on that shelf. There you go. But it is on my shelf, so I do recommend it. Uh... I really like it, and I be- I'm going to watch it again. Um, yeah, uh, it stirred up a lot in me, and I I appreciate the film, and I'm going to watch. So uh, Jennifer Kitt has directed one other film uh, called The Nightingale uh, from 2018, which I'm going to watch because I enjoyed this one so much, and uh, I like the way she told her story. So I'd be interested to see and hope that this is good. It's on Hulu currently. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I looked so Mark, at it. Uh, uh, you, 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 what did you make us watch next week? And why am I pretending to be mad? Yeah, why are you pretending to be mad? I don't um, know. I'm just used to it. it. Isn't it Nightcrawler? <laughs> yes, it's Nightcrawler. It's really good. I'm going to have yeah. to watch a great movie. Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, whoever else is in the movie. Rene Russo. Oh, yeah, Rene Russo. Um, it's directed it. by... Uh, somebody you've probably never heard of, Dan Gilroy. Um, oh, it's got Bill Paxton. The late is Bill. Bill Paxton's the one that died, right? Yes. Yes. The late Actually, Bill Paxton is in this. Yes. The, who who I love. Who's been an alien and of course Tombstone. Uh, he's awesome. The uh, listen. Just watch the movie, okay? We're Listen, gonna we're gonna review it next week. Just it's really good. Hold on. So I I feel I feel like I should I should mention this one thing about uh, how movies are literally one of the best things that humans have ever created. Um, yes, like Pop Tarts, movies are very good. 
<laughs> Real quick, uh, do you eat Pop-Tarts out of the toaster, out of the fridge, or out of the box? I've never heard of anyone eating them out of the fridge. I have oh, had really? both rare. Oh, try that, uh, sir. Okay. I've had raw, which would be out of the box, and toasted. I like a chocolate one, you know, the chocolate with the chocolate icing and the white sugar on top. Yeah. That's my favorite Pop-Tart, and I like it slightly toasted, nice and warm in the middle. Mm. What's your favorite? Oh, you just said your favorite. Uh, yeah, it's chocolate. I mean, s'mores would be a, a close second. Yeah, s'mores really, is my second, but cinnamon cinnamon sugar is the all-time. That's another classic, right? That's, that's a great time. one. Yeah. But to me, give me double chocolate any day of the week. So movies, movies are fantastic in the way they make us feel and the emotions that they bring out of us. Even, even the underlying emotions that we don't typically think about until something is presented to us on a screen in a movie or a TV show. Um, and you know, you know how, uh, what was, what was the the stupid movie we watched? Um, I cut gems. <laughs> no, no, the other one you hated, the long Nine. one. Oh, the Troy. long one. Yeah. Troy. Yes. Um, <laughs> don't blame me for that. That you did that. <laughs> so, so, you know, Troy made me feel a lot of emotions is because all these things that happened when I saw it and where I was and, and this and that. Um, and so I can absolutely 100% get behind the reasons that you enjoyed this movie. And I think it's very cool that there are these things that do that to our brains and they make us feel things. And it's awesome. Yeah, I totally. And yeah, what you said, I got nothing to add to that. So we're watching uh, Nightcrawler next week. Um, oh, uh, I'm pretty sure it's on Netflix. Um, it was when I watched it years ago. Let me pull it up here just to I make think, sure. I think it's a Netflix. I want to say so too. Original, but let's see. Oh, it's got Riz Ahmed in it. I forgot about you. Uh, it is not on Netflix. Ooh, well. Go to the nefarious means sites again. No, I'm not. I go to legitimate means. <laughs> That's legitimatemeans.com. <laughs> Best place to get your movies. <laughs> the uh, 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 So if you want to uh, follow the podcast on Twitter, you can find the podcast at Movie Draft House. You can find Jeff at Podcast by Jeff. That's where I'm at. You can find Mark over at I Heard You Liked. That's true. Um, and so uh, you're you're coming to the end, uh, to the, the closing of your other podcast, correct? Yeah, so right now it's obviously October, but I'm, I'm recording the November episodes. So um, definitely check in. The movies are getting good. What, what's and, the podcast? Uh, oh, Hitchcock Chronologically. Where I review every single Alfred Hitchcock movie in 2021. There's 52 Wednesdays in 2021, and there's 52 Alfred Hitchcock films. Makes sense. It does. It's like so easy. Oh, and this week's episode. So you today. This is coming out on Thursday. So yesterday, uh, the episode for the Trouble with Harry came out, and uh, the episode you've given me feedback on that you like 
the best was Juno and the Paycock, where I just sit there depressed for 13 minutes and tell you how much I hate Juno and the Paycock. Yeah. Well, if that's your style of episode, yesterday's episode on The Trouble with Harry should be right up your alley then. You're going to love it, Mark. I'm, I can't wait. Uh, those are my favorite. I, I love a an, an angry, depressed Jeff. Except uh, for when I'm yelling at you. That's true. Though sometimes, so I, I don't enjoy it, but I can get behind it. Uh, uh, because sometimes I bring out the best in everybody. Um, so, okay. The, uh, if that's where, if that's where the pod has you to go, you awaken the, the Babadook side of me, friend. <laughs> Just feed it in the basement. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, definitely, uh, check out, uh, the music this week by, uh, the 69 bros. What are they again? Little stranger, little strangers, 1969, uh, if you like funky hip-hop deliciousness, it's very good. Uh, find it on all your streaming platforms. Uh, but as we leave you today, you can hear the clip of this song, 1969. Anything else to add, Mark? Oh, no, I thought we were done. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. Uncut Gems of shit, everyone. Have a good night. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, more unbelievable than the lunar landing I find you quite outstanding and I'm alarmingly charming Darling, you gaze I'm commanding Fixated on your figure, I figure you're a supermodel Or at least part-time, anywhere you go, I'll follow Freckle fingers that linger up on my waistline You whisper that you wish we could kiss up and out his face And I'm buzzing like Audrey off And with these clever lines, what's my step for man? One giant leap if you're damn fine And I'm buying us new tickets for this Woodstock All up on my chimney like Hendrix, I'm really good Yeah, I'm trying to be a gentleman me till I'm in awe of your lovely lines designed to make me blast off up on a rocket ship. No stopping this hip hop kid. You got a box of chocolates with your name up on top of it. So get the taste, make haste. We ain't got much time. Gonna make you mine in one nine six nine and nine. Emergency, come see me quickly and be with me. Adjust me strictly. I love you like it's 1960. Emergency, come see me quickly. Me strictly, I love you like it's 1969. Yeah, man. <laughs>